Thanks for joining us for another episode of Ask the Expert and Merry Christmas. My name is Sandy Minardi from Sandman Financial. If you'd like more information about what you hear during our show today, give us a call at 918-232-7665 or visit online sandman.financial. Remember S-A-N-D-M-A-N dot financial with no dot com after it. Also, you can tune in to more shows like this on my Sandman Financial Podcast. It's available on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to give us a call. We'd love to answer them here on the show, too. So I'm here with my co-host, Tom Davis. Merry Christmas, Tom. Are you ready for the big day yet? Oh, yes, indeed. And a good morning to you, Miss Sandy. Well, good morning back. Okay, so regular listeners of our show, they, they know we talk a lot about retirement. In mm-hmm. fact, I'd venture to guess that if you went through our show archive, you'd find that retirement is mentioned more than any other subject. <laughs> and you might ask, why is that? <laughs> well, okay, think about it. When it comes to personal finances, getting ready for retirement, it crosses generations and income brackets. And no matter where you live, whether it's here in the Grand Lake, Northeast Oklahoma, or Coffeeville, Southeast Kansas area, or a world away, chances are retirement is something you think about often. And I don't mean to imply that you only think about it when you're having a terrible day at work. Mm. <laughs> you know, one of those days that uh, I've never had this happen. No. I'm sure you haven't either. Nuh-uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Starts off, you know, spilling coffee on your lap or your laptop. Oh. Three angry emails, and then because of that spilt coffee, maybe your computer froze. <laughs> Who doesn't think about retiring on a day like that, right? Mm-hmm. But beyond those occasional bad days, it's natural to let your mind kind of fill with images of leisurely weekday breakfast, last minute road trips, and really just whatever you want, whenever you want to do it. So with all that in mind, I thought it would be a wise idea to spend our time today digging through some specific retirement tools like 401ks, IRAs, and other similar options. You know, you're certainly right that we do talk a lot about retirement on this show. But, like you also noted, why wouldn't we? While a financial strategy is designed to make your working years a little easier in terms of emphasizing savings and insurance and developing other income streams, the bottom line is that retirement is, for most people, the crown jewel of their financial strategy. And with that said... I think the idea of spending some time today chatting about specific retirement savings tools is a really great idea. So what do you say we get to it? Okay, you bet. Let's go go for it. I, I chose today's topic thanks to some inspiration from a Forbes article that I recently read. It's, it's entitled, Best Retirement Plans for You. You really need to look this one up. I mean, it's worth repeating. A Forbes article, Best Retirement Plans for You. It does a terrific job of neatly describing different retirement savings tools. The article starts with a look on individual retirement savings tools because, as it notes, many Americans don't have access to employer-sponsored retirement savings tools for a variety of different reasons. And the first tool that we're going to discuss today is just that, a traditional IRA 
which is something I'm sure many of our listeners at least have a passable understanding of. Well, I, I'm thinking that, that traditional IRAs are pretty common in terms of who's eligible for one. It's pretty wide open, isn't that right? It, it is. That's exactly right. The easiest way to look at it is that if you earn taxable income, you can likely open up your own individual IRA. And if you're one of those folks who doesn't have retirement options through your employer, the contributions you make to your IRA, your traditional IRA, are often tax deductible. The money you filter into your traditional IRA may be invested in various assets like mutual funds or exchange traded funds. Those are often referred to simply as EFTs. The money you make on the earnings is tax deferred and when you begin to uh, when you begin your withdrawals after age 59 and a half those distributions are simply taxed as regular income and there are contribution limits to the IRAs though aren't there yes there are tom the article also notes in 2020 and i haven't looked up the 2021 number yet but that uh, people are able to contribute in 2020 they were able to contribute uh, $6,000 into a traditional IRA but if you're a little older specifically 50 and up you may contribute an extra thousand dollars up to 7,000 a year so the next piece that we should look at is a Roth IRA if your annual income is below a certain threshold a Roth IRA maybe something that you want to give some serious thought to. While the money you put into a Roth IRA isn't immediately tax deductible, the great news is that you don't have to pay income taxes on your qualified withdrawals later after you retire. Additionally, if you find yourself in a financial bind, you might be able to take out the money that you've put into a Roth IRA without getting slapped with a nasty penalty, which means you can also view a Roth IRA as a bit of an emergency fund. Well, you mentioned Roth IRAs have an income threshold. Can you tell us just a little bit more about that? Uh, Great question. Uh The amount you can earmark for a Roth is dependent on your income, and you can only set up a Roth IRA if you make less than $139,000 a year. That's the amount if you're single. If you are married and filed jointly, you can set up a Roth up to $206,000. In my opinion, Roth IRAs may be a great resource for a number of our listeners, especially because of the historically low tax environment that we're currently living in, but I'd recommend working with a financial services professional before making any final decisions because there are rules and nuances that can be a little tricky. Always a good idea. Now, the next tool the Forbes article mentions is spousal IRAs. So we're going to go back to thinking about the traditional IRA thing here for just one second. A spousal IRA is a strategy married couples can implement to increase their retirement funds using an IRA. Remember, tax deferred, okay? Put simply, if one spouse doesn't work or earns a lot less than the other spouse, a spousal IRA may help you save more money for retirement. The spouse who isn't working or earns less money simply opens a traditional IRA or Roth IRA in their in their own name and then contributes money based on household income. Remember, you're otherwise limited to contributing how much you, not your household, makes in a given year. 
the option to open another IRA and then contribute the yearly maximum may allow some married couples to essentially double their IRA retirement savings on an annual basis. A spousal IRA sounds fairly straightforward, but it might be another area where sitting down with a seasoned financial services professional like, say, I don't know, Sandy Minardi, uh, to discuss the (laughs) pros and cons and make a lot of sense of this. So what's next uh, when we are talking on our list to hear of the retirement savings tools? Well, the last savings tool that is mentioned in the article when it comes to retirement is fixed annuities. Mm. And how about we take a quick break and pick it up here when we return? Well, that's pretty good. I like that idea. And thanks for helping me watch the clock, Sandy. Appreciate it. My pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Ask the Expert. My name is Sandy Minardi from Sandman Financial. If at any point during the show you want to learn more info or ask a question, please feel free to give us a call at 918-232-7665 or visit us online at sandman.financial. Also, you might be interested in checking out our past shows or even re-listen to this and subscribe to the Sandman Financial podcast. It's available on Google Play, Apple, or Spotify. Gosh, other episodes have covered things like basics of life insurance, long-term care insurance, mastering the last five years, and 401k rollovers. During our show today, we've been chatting about various retirement savings tools that might be a good fit for your overall financial strategy. I think it's been an interesting conversation so far. I'm pretty excited to keep it going. (laughs) Indeed. It has been a great show today, Sandy. So uh, before the break, you were talking about uh, starting a a discussion on fixed annuities next. Is that where we are? That's right, yes. Mm -hmm. At its most basic level, an annuity is simply a contract with an insurance company that may ultimately supplement your retirement savings. And though there's many different kinds of annuities out there, the Forbes article urges you to think strongly about fixed annuities. And I know another hybrid that's really gaining tremendous popularity is a fixed indexed annuity. So, but for our discussion here, fixed annuities are typically pretty easy for us to understand as compared against other types of annuities. Actually, on the other end of that spectrum are variables, and they're pretty complex and uh, have quite a few fees and stuff with them. But in some cases, fixed annuities have fairly consistent benefits across the board and have reliable tax-deferred growth. Additionally, in some instances, a death benefit may also be paid out to your designated beneficiary after your passing. While these annuities have a lot of great benefits, they do come with some risks. You know, one of my favorite go-tos, Investopedia.com, gives an example that if you need to get out of the contract early, there are generally some significant surrender charges, which means that you might get less back less than you put in. And now that's only in that situation where if you have to kind of get out of the contract early. But uh, finally, unlike with some other savings tools, non-qualified annuities don't come with potentially erroneous uh, or onerous, I should say, IRS contribution caps, which means you can place as much premium as you and your financial services professional are comfortable with 
subject to there are some carrier limits on your max amount that you can put into one. Well, that, that sounds like an interesting option. I mean, you just mentioned that fixed annuities were the last individual retirement tool that the Forbes article mentions. So I take that to mean that it's time to begin discussing employer-sponsored retirement options. Oh, boy, you got your Sherlock Holmes hat on today now, Ooh, don't you? <laughs> there you go, Watson. Yeah, y'all. As the article notes, one of the biggest benefits that comes with a traditional nine-to-five job Mm -hmm. is access to employer-sponsored retirement savings tools. The first option the article highlighted is the traditional 401k. Most of you are pretty familiar probably with with that and uh, what makes this option tick. But for those who aren't, a traditional 401k provides the opportunity to contribute retirement savings with pre-tax dollars. That means your pot of money grows tax deferred and you don't pay taxes on your earnings until you retire and begin to make withdrawals. Many employers also incentivize participation by matching contributions up to a certain percentage of an employer's salary, employee's salary. As the article explains, in 2020, the max contribution for a traditional 401k is 19500 or 100% of your salary, whichever is smaller. You also should note that if you're older than 50, you can make additional contributions up to $6,500. Employer contributions don't count, though, with regard to that limit. Oh, I see. So if you have an employer that matches your 401k contribution, you really need to factor that in because it's essentially free money. So, mm-hmm. uh, ah, there you go. So what's next, Andy? Okay. The next thing many employers offer is a Roth 401k. With this tool, the money you contribute uses after-tax dollars, mm-hmm. which makes it different than a traditional 401k. Accordingly, your 401ks come with the same contribution limits as traditional 401ks. If your company offers a 401k match and you've chosen to go with the Roth 401k route, your employer, they will match um, the amounts placed into a, but it'll be placed into a traditional 401k on your behalf, and that's due to federal rules. Mm -hmm. When it comes to making the call between a traditional 401k and a Roth 401k, you may simply want to think about when your taxes are likely to be at their lowest. If you think you'll be in a lower tax bracket today, a Roth 401k might make more sense. That's often why especially younger people entering the workforce will choose a a Roth because their earning hasn't grown and so they're uh, in a lower tax bracket oftentimes. But if you think the odds are that you'll be in a lower tax bracket when you're retired, a traditional 401k might be the right move. So much of our financial and retirement strategies appears to come right down to taxes. And uh, let's not forget one thing. Taxes don't stop just because you're retired. Mm, No kidding. That's for sure, Tom. Another retirement tool available to some people is a 457B. So if you've heard of that, you know that that is uh, something available to someone that works for a state or local government or agency. You might be able to utilize this plan. 
much like the 401k of 457b lets you utilize pre-tax money and the account is tax deferred until you begin taking withdrawals after you retire. You should note that some 457b plans come with Roth options that work just like Roth 401ks. Hmm. Well, Sandy, we've been talking about what you can do as an individual and how to build a nest egg with your employer. Now, what about if you're self-employed? Isn't that a huge part of our population, too? It definitely. Yeah. I mean, when I was doing some other research, there are goodness a vast number of Americans that fall into this category. So I found a, a, a statistic by Pew Research Center from 2019, and it states that 16 million Americans identify as self-employed. And... Another 29.4 million work for self-employed individuals. So all told, that's roughly 30% of the nation's entire workforce. Wow. I hope you're going to tell us that even though those 45 million Americans are on their own for retirement, that they still have some pretty good options there, Sandy. That is exactly what I'm going to tell you, Tom. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> The first good option for a small business owner who doesn't have other retirement savings options for their employees is a, it's called a Savings Incentive Match Plan for Employees IRA. That's a mouthful. It's better known as a simple IRA. If you employ people through your small business, you can use this option to contribute to retirement accounts for your employees. Now, you should be aware that your contributions must meet one of two requirements. Either, and this is speaking from the small business owner's perspective, either match an employee's contribution up to 3% of their total compensation or contribute 2% of an employee's salary, even if they don't contribute themselves. With a simple IRA, your employees are immediately vested, which means they have complete ownership of the money in their accounts. In addition, to be a good recruiting tool when it comes to hiring quality workers, your contributions are also tax deductible. Hmm. Well, offering a simple IRA does seem like it would be uh, going a long way in helping you compete against the uh, big boys, if you know what I mean, for great talent. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah. what's another idea you might have there, Sandy? Okay. All right. Another potentially winning idea for small business owners is the Simplified Employee Pension, mm. also known as a SEP plan, SEP plan. Business owners who have SEP plans must provide them to all of their employees who earn at least $600 a year from the business and who have been employed with the business for at least three out of the last five years and who are at least 21 years old. One of the things that makes SEP plans unique is that employees can't make contributions, only the employer. The uh, research I did shows, explains that as of 2020, you can contribute a maximum of 25% of an employee's salary or $57,000, whichever is less. One wrinkle you should be aware of is that if you're using contributions to your own SEP plan, you have to provide the same percentage to all of your employees, okay? 
and these contributions that you that you are making are tax deductible. Okay, Sadie. So I bet you can guess what I'm about to say, huh? <laughs> Does it begin with oh, I don't know financial and end with professional? <laughs> Well, yes, it does. Here it goes. (laughs) Is there any doubt that if you own a small business or if you're self-employed, that you should be working with a, wait for it, wait for it, financial (laughs) services professional, Sandy? Mm-hmm. Well, you can tell there's pretty a lot of numbers and, you know, just little nuances of all of these that you kind of got to keep, keep track of. So I certainly don't have any doubts about the wisdom of a small business owner or self-employed person getting together with a financial services professional on a regular basis to talk strategy and see what options there are. And speaking of strategy... Now, this is a simple one. A payroll deduction IRA is potentially a very good and low-cost option if you're a small business owner. With this one, your employees establish IRAs with their own preferred financial institution, and when authorized payroll deductions, um, those are used to fund their IRA. As the small business owner, all you need to do is deduct the employee's designated amount from their paycheck and deposit it into their IRA account for them. The employee is the only one contributing to the account, and there aren't any filing requirements for you as the employer. Are there any options for someone who's self-employed and doesn't have any employees, like, say, you know, a freelancer or a gig worker? Mm. Yeah, you bet. If if there's if that's your situation, Tom... Mm-hmm. We Yes, we've got an answer. It's called a solo 401k. It might be just the ticket. Like with any other 401k, when you open a solo 401k, you first choose between a traditional solo 401k or a Roth solo 401k. From there, you make contributions as both the employer and the employee, which means that because you're self-employed, you can contribute more to this retirement account than you can to any other account. As an employee, you can contribute a max of 19,500 a year or 26,000 per year if you're over 50. And then as the employer, you can also contribute up to 25% of your salary. Again, according to the research, your 2020 contribution totals as both the employer and employee can't surpass 57,000 or a little higher than that if you're over 50. Well, this has been another great episode, Sandy, but uh, guess what? We're out of time. Anything else before Mm. we go? Well, besides wishing everyone a wonderful Merry Christmas again. Oh, oh yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) 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 That's right. Gosh, it's almost here. If you want to discuss any of these options in more detail, I encourage you to visit my website at sandman.financial or call my office, 918-232-7665. You can set up a complimentary consultation, either one-on-one or virtually, whatever you're most comfortable with. Man, this could be a great way to start out the new year to implement a new savings tool for your future. And this concludes this week's Ask the Expert with Sandy Minardi from Sandman Financial and me, your co-host, Tom Davis. Stay healthy out there. You all take care and enjoy celebrating the birth of our Savior. 
All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Opinions expressed are solely those of Sandman Financial and staff. All topics covered are believed to be from reliable sources. However, Sandman Financial makes no representations to its accuracy or its completeness. This commercial shall in no way be construed as a solicitation to sell securities or advisory services to residents of any state other than those were otherwise permitted. Topics should be discussed with your individual advisor prior to implementation. Insurance products and services are offered through an affiliated company. Sandman Financial and its affiliates are not affiliated or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.